Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Frontier Beyond Fear live broadcast. I'm Susan Larison Dans, and today is Saturday, August 27th, 2022. Today, I am going to talk about how we can understand our human journeys so much more meaningfully through the lens of unconditional love both for ourselves to begin with, because that is very important, to come to a deeper, deeper, more love-based understanding of how we learn and grow, and also, of course, for everyone around us. This truly is the way that we can help our world by understanding this at a much deeper level In the last program, I can't quite recall which quote I gave from Martin Luther King Jr., so if I'm repeating this quote, it's well worth repeating. I keep looking for a quote that I saw about vengeance that Martin Luther King Jr. wrote, but this quote is so perfect to begin today's program. Man must evolve for all human conflict a method which rejects revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. That was from Martin Luther King Jr., who lived 1929 to 1968. And yes, we're going to explore the nature of love today. But to begin with, I want you to deeply consider moments in your life, and we each can do this, where something went amiss. If it's too close, this may be difficult to look at in an accurate way. But what we cannot know and often can know, depending on what we're trying to understand, is how one thing changes another. And we are all here to grow. The divine is omnipresent. There is no place where the divine is not. There is no time where the divine is not. You were a part of the divine before you were here, while you are here, and where you're going next. 
your time on earth, and I know I have people listening with multiple spiritual perspectives, whether you believe in having just one life on this earth or multiple lives on this earth and elsewhere, because it's far too limiting to think that it would just be on this earth. None of those lives can be apart from the divine. I'm going to derive something from some verses from one perspective, and it has to do with this notion of God being love. We hear about God being love in 1 John 4, 7 through 9. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. When you consider that God is omnipresent, God is everywhere, you cannot be apart from that love. You may not consciously know it, and we all have imperfect human journeys. We can all think of times in our lives where, oh, yeah, that was imperfect. Of course, we wouldn't be here at all if not to have what is a perfectly imperfect journey, meaning that we are here to be apart from full awareness of the divine. We can grow into greater awareness and feel it ever more fully. And there are times in our lives where we feel it more and more and more. And the closer we get to that unconditional love, even while staying grounded, which is very important on the earth, the more peace we will feel. The more we look at our lives and say, wow, I'm doing better here, 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 and here. Oh, yeah, years ago, oh, I used to be so competitive. For example, I used to be, I just can't even explain to you how competitive I was in terms of academics, people who may stumble upon this show or may even listen regularly because I have no idea who from my past listens, knows full well how competitive I was and how ambitious I was. And the interesting thing is my life took a turn I never could have expected. In fact, a better turn than any possible one of those ambitions could have led in those times. And, you know, it included being a stay-at-home mom, which, you know, once in that position, despite having really good on-site child care available, which was rare at the time, the circumstances were such where it was obvious that I needed to be home. And that's what I wanted to do. And it was the best thing. And it is my every hope that more people can experience that and that we need to have that kind of flexibility that we can be in a world where that's possible 
and those who advocate only for the opposite have often other motives in mind, such as the profit motive, um, to be frank. You really can pursue a very full, wonderful, meaningful life by not necessarily doing what you thought you might or maybe everyone else thought that knew you. The funny thing is, is in the process, you end up going down paths which are beyond any possible dream in terms of what one might encounter in a life and what, you know, including those difficulties. I have not had an easy life. It has not been easy. I have had significant challenges, particularly some years ago. Um, But it led to a deeper life, a more meaningful life, and even in some ways every bit and more of whatever I might have considered accomplishment when I first started out. That doesn't mean my life is perfect. No life is perfect on the surface. We are perfectly imperfect. We are not here on this earth to be perfect, although we certainly can do better. When Martin Luther King talks about this world, it sounds impossible, doesn't it? It sounds impossible that we could live in this world. The Quakers, I was a Quaker for a little while, or I went to a Quaker church. I gravitated towards some of those ideas many years ago. I don't know if I could go as far to say I was a Quaker, but um, in any case, We can't go on this way in the world. And if it's too late for this world, well, we'll learn for another because that's part of it too. There is nothing that we do on this earth that doesn't go into a kind of um, place of learning. Some call them the Akashic Records. That's just a label. They're No matter what your spiritual path, there is clearly kept everything that happens and everything that leads from everything that happens. Sometimes when something imperfect happens in your life or in someone else's life, it's also because we're not here in a vacuum. We are here together. And even those imperfect moments, even really imperfect moments, are meant to lead to some growth situation for someone else. That doesn't mean that we don't strive to be more loving people. Yes, we do. But we don't need to keep beating ourselves up about the past. That is, we can learn from it. We can move forward from it. But we cannot continue the judgment because judgment is not of love. That kind of, um, I mean, you're just wasting your time. Love yourself. Love one another. Okay. I had some other verses queued up and probably more than I even have ready to read here, Um, but I'd been intending to get to some of these verses. Okay, this is Matthew 5, 43, 44. You have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. 
and pray for those who persecute you. Yes, yes, it is all about love. That doesn't mean that we just give hatefulness a free pass. I have in this program more than once called each of us to reflect upon where we are feeling. You know, you're not feeling good if you're hating your neighbor and judging your neighbor and making assumptions about your neighbor that are probably not even true. Usually they are just stereotypes that are very, very simplistic and not even accurate. If you were to go deeper, when you're in an emergency situation, for example, and also in just a community situation where I have found myself multiple times as a volunteer, people from all walks of life come together and you see the love in people. We cannot be apart from love. Oh, yes, there can be greater degrees of um, not seeing the light or, you know, getting immersed in darkness in some way. But we are called to love one another and to see the best in people, to bring out the best in people. And far too often, assumptions lead to quite the opposite. It not only assumes the worst in others, it brings out the worst in us. Is that what we want? It certainly is not living um, the way Martin Luther King Jr. suggested that we live. And that can be on a very personal level and on a global level. Let's see, some other quotes that I queued up here today. Um, Luke 6.31, and some of these I don't even quite remember which. Actually, I'm seeing some other things in this section. Well, of course, I've been wanting to talk about the golden rule now, haven't I? And it's in other creeds as well. Luke 6.31 says, do to others as you would have them do to you. That is the golden rule. Would you want to be unfairly judged? Would you want to be unfairly misunderstood? Of course not. So how we think about others is also Extremely important, and I was just jumping down because I saw the heading, Judging Others, under Luke 6.37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. You see, we are being led in life from all of these imperfections that we've observed towards the kind of behavior where we truly do seek to understand and love one another. When you make that effort, you will find out it goes way deeper than you realize. And those assumptions fall away and you see a person And you get to really like 
like that person, not just even just love them. I mean, it's as ironically, it can be easier to love someone than to like someone because all of a sudden you realized, oh my gosh, I had no idea. That's why. Oh, and maybe there's something they don't understand quite well. And so you explain, you know, this is why, this is why I feel hurt by. And you talk with one another in a gentle, accepting, loving way. Most of the time, because we're all dealing with such incomplete information, we discover, and I mean all, not just one group of people, do not assume that you have all the information you need to truly know about a situation. And we've talked about this in past episodes as well. There is so much partial information around, in fact, almost exclusively partial information intended to lead you to a particular conclusion that it doesn't really do much good at all. We have to go deeper. We have to have higher goals. We have to realize that God is indeed love and that we cannot be apart from what that love is. This past week, I started back into, um, through a kind of a roundabout way, I got my Kindle going again because I had broken the charger and I hadn't gotten another cord and it seemed like when I had one, it wasn't the right kind and no, I didn't order one and I just didn't have it for quite a long time, really almost a year. And it was time for me to have my Kindle back, apparently, because I was standing in line at a store, and there was a cord that looked like the right kind. And I thought, wow, and sure enough, it was, and it charged my Kindle. So I started back into a novel by George Eliot. George, by the way, um, is not George. It's Mary Ann Evans. But George Eliot was Mary Ann Evans' pen name because she wrote between 1819 and 1880. And this is a quote that I read last week, actually reread, and I had highlighted it before in, in her book, which is greatly um, praised. Some people say it's the greatest book of literature, although that's a, that's a tall order, isn't it? Middlemarch. 1871 to 72, or maybe they said it was the greatest novel. I just happened to see that fly by as I was um, looking for, for when Mary Ann Evans lived. Here is the quote I came across, which is a rather interesting one. Wrong reasoning sometimes lands poor mortals in right conclusions. Starting a long way off the true point and proceeding by loops and zigzags, we now and then arrive just where we ought to be. I love that quote because it tells us that we could be way off the mark. We, When you're off the mark and there is some misunderstanding of what is true, and 
you know, about a situation, for example. What is the truth? And just way, way off. One can hope through many zigzags and wandering around and meandering that we come closer, at least, to just the truth. What happened? Unfortunately, far too often, there are those who are tempting to take that little labyrinth and push it that way and this way and not have you see. Oh, oh, see the loving way, the loving way of understanding. doesn't mean you may not see some imperfect thing, some bit of darkness, but the very act of deviating your path so you can't see clearly because it's, you know, what does the light do? The light reveals what is in the room. Darkness obscures what it is it is helpful for you to see. Because when we can sit together and look at things, this is why different perspectives are so very important. Because without different perspectives, and this is very much true in science, by the way, which is so so often misunderstood what science is. Science is not materialism. That is a view within science, and I believe it will be proven incorrect, that paradigm. We're moving out, one would hope, of the materialistic paradigm, where we assume anything non-material or spiritual could not be true, could not be of science. Science, all it is, is a way of understanding the world as it works and the world beyond the world, (laughs) the universe, the multiverse. It is a deeper understanding of what is true, and it continually evolves. In fact, science is such a good example of life because in life, we can be way off the mark. We can be way, way off. In fact, boy, isn't George Eliot's quote so perfect there? And through some, you know, honestly, it could be through guidance because there is a spiritual world. We find our way somehow, almost impossibly, we find our way to what is true and what is more true and what is more true. And, oh, that wasn't true, was it? That theory was false. And so we need to go on from that and see what is true? And we'll continually be looking at what is what is the closest to truth because you're always approaching it. It's always expanding. That's what science is. That's what your life can be. That's what is an understanding of the lives of others can be. We, of course, are going to feel strongly when something bad happens. We are harmed in some way. That urge towards, um, you know, anger. I mean, you got to work through emotions, no doubt. However, what Martin Luther King Jr. says is absolutely true. Let's repeat it. It's so important. We're going to repeat it. Man must evolve for all human conflict 
a method which rejects revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. Another quote that's often misattributed to Shakespeare, to err is human, to forgive divine. That was written by Alexander Pope in an essay on criticism. And Alexander Pope lived 1688 to 1744. Things have progressed over time in some really imperfect ways. I mean, there was a time, why did science go the way it did, being so strictly materialistic? Well, I mean, because in the old days, you might discover something, observe something that was real, and you'd be threatened with being burned at the stake. Well, that doesn't exactly encourage looking for truth. And unfortunately, in today's world, we do that figuratively with people. No one is given an opportunity to make a mistake. We are really having some issues right now in the world with people admitting when they've made a mistake, people coming to terms with, oh, usually or so very often it's because you were misled in some way. There may have been someone intentionally misleading you into taking an action that was not for your greater good at all. And sometimes circumstances are such or we're just not mature enough and we're maturing in life. We spiritually mature. We allow love to mature within us. Of course we make mistakes. And it's not just about forgiving ourselves and one another. Actually, I wasn't going to make this show about forgiveness, although it always comes up. It's about understanding a deeper understanding of, you know, yeah, that was really short-sighted or, wow, you know, look what was going on there. Look at how much, how many burdens you were carrying back then. Well, you know, or there's always some circumstances. This is why in our world we need to move in the direction of restorative justice. That's why I'm a believer in that. Because people change over time. I love, um, I believe it's the Shawshank Redemption. I haven't watched it in a little while. The character that Morgan Freeman plays, he goes up for a parole hearing, healing, yeah, right, late in life. And he gets, um, a couple times he doesn't get released. But when he does get released, finally, he says that he wants to talk to his younger self who just did this stupid thing like as a teen. He's not even that person anymore. He doesn't even know who that person was anymore. So immature. Who knows what the circumstances were in that time. It doesn't make things right. I mean, it doesn't mean that darkness can't occur. It doesn't mean that harm can't occur. But the beauty of it, and that's when he gets out because he understands. And he probably understood that a long, long time ago. If we were truly loving, we would stop being fearful or vengeful or punitive 
and move towards greater love-based approaches. Man must evolve for all human conflict a method which rejects revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. Martin Luther King Jr., how many times can we say it? How often is it all about vengeance, all about hurt? I mean, there is deep wounding. There are horrible things that happen in the world. But we as human beings have the ability to grow beyond that. I don't even choose often to use the word evolve. I prefer grow, mature, grow more, mature. Those of you listening live, thank you for being here. I'm just going to make this really quick. FrontierBeyondFear.com is where you can go to listen to the rest. Thank you to Blog Talk Radio once again for featuring the program while live. And I'll be continuing as I often do. Not too much longer, I don't think, although it's always hard to predict. We have so much potential. It may be too late. We can't know that. I believe in miracles. The spiritual path shows us that miracles are indeed possible. Healing is possible. I have experienced it. I have seen it. I have witnessed it. And many of you have. My family would not be spiritual in the way that it is at all if not for a miraculous healing and several miraculous healings. There is a world beyond the world that meets the eye. And I wanted to share another quote with you that um, has to do with science. This is kind of a fun quote, if I can get to it. Maybe I can get to it, maybe not. Let's see. Um, We are growing. And we have to release our assumptions about the old paradigm. Okay, here it is. This is from Nikola Tesla. Nikola Tesla. The day science begins to study non-physical phenomena It will make more progress in one decade than in all the previous centuries of its existence. That was Tesla, very brilliant, brilliant scientist who was not given the opportunity to do what he was capable of doing. And that is so, so often the case. And why does that happen? It's because of fear. What is greed about? What is possessiveness about? It's all about fear. It's a fear of lack. That's all it is. It's fear of not having, of not having what you think you need. And it's well beyond what you need. But it's all about fear. And yeah, it can be about other things. It can be almost like an addiction. I put as a tag on this program, simplicity. Because I believe that the world 
that Martin Luther King Jr. envisioned is necessarily one where we simplify our surface level goals. We are so voraciously hungering, often for reasons of conflict, sadly, or greed, maybe to mine, for example. We are voracious, although there are those who have the innocent, innocent goal of simple exploration about developing the space program. We're going to have a launch on Monday, I believe, where they're going to the moon, the Artemis program is going to the moon and it's just unmanned at this point but wow it's coming up quick I mean some of us do remember the original Apollo program and we remember the space shuttle and a lot of things the problem with some of these things is our motivation may be exploratory well that's great and let's open it up because if you really want to explore you want to learn about outer space work on inner Space <laughs> and Tesla knew a bit about that. I believe that we will come to know one of these days. I'm going to find this study. In fact, it might even be available where these people they studied these researchers as to you know why are we not seeing evidence of um, you know a lot of technological civilizations out there. Shouldn't we be seeing more signals by now or really advanced um, technical things? And sure, maybe there's some civilizations out there that manage to survive their technical phase. But the theory is, and this is the Fermi paradox, the theory is, I think I'll probably save this for the next show because I know where to find it. It's been hard to find. It's like people don't like what their conclusions were, I sense. I mean, it's a little bit disheartening, isn't it? If all of your goals are very materialistic, if they're all based in technology and not based in inner space at all, if they have no recognition that we are spiritual beings, that we are conscious beings which go far beyond the material, if that, you know, usually that's because of fear too. They're really afraid to find that there's more. The reason why that's scary is because the world is imperfect. The minute that you discover that there's something more spiritually to the world, you have to deal with the greatest question of all. Why do dark things happen here? And the only reason, although we'll all question it, and we should, it's okay to wrestle with this, is why? Why would we even bother? Why would, why would we allow such darkness? There has to be a reason. You see, this is the understanding, even when we can't understand, perfect imperfection. We're here this is the way the world is, and yes, there is evidence, as Tesla knew, there is evidence of non-material phenomenon. There is evidence of spiritual phenomenon. Well, we're here. We're here, and we love. We know that love is real. There would be no love 
if whatever the ultimate reality was, was only darkness, there would be no light. Love is real. And we know it. And I am going to repeat some things that I have in the past, but not with interpretations. I'm just going to read straight some of 1 Corinthians 13. Because we always need to ask the question, what is love? Starting with verse 4, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I've interpreted that passage so many times on this program, and if you haven't heard one of those, there was one, I don't know, some weeks ago. You can find every time it goes deeper. And it really talks to us about how we are growing. You know, when they talk about being known, so often we need in our lives, and this is totally possible, to come to such peace with our own imperfection and to love, love, love every bit of our past, even when, oh, you know, that went that way. You know, we're zigzagging all over, and how could we know? But you got to go back. you got to say, oh, I didn't know that or that, or, wow, I certainly didn't know that. Or, you know, there are so many ways that we're imperfect, and even now. We're not going to behave perfectly every moment. I get a little worked up sometimes on this program to the point where it may feel like I'm being judgmental. That's a real fine balancing line, isn't it? Because it can feel like that. And I work with that. We can work with ourselves and with our past to the point where if we were fully known, there would be nothing. Yeah, 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 that was imperfect, yep. Because I believe that someday that will happen. And it will be nothing to be afraid of because it's just love. We will be loved. 
Can we love ourselves now? Can we love somebody else who harmed us in some way? And think about, well, you know, look at that. Look at look at why. Look at how, you know, how this person didn't see this or that. Or, you know, there's always some imperfection. There's always something. Love is the answer. The opposite of fear is love. It's everything. And it matters right now because our world is in trouble. And I do believe it will require a miracle to make it through because we have gone so far into this hole of abandoning anything even resembling spirituality and our goals are just all misguided and we're zigzagging all over the place even though sure I can do this show because there's technology to do it but look what our goals are look what we've developed instead of doing what Tesla said we should have been looking at the non-material a long time ago and not in a non-love based way sure you hear about these things where they've studied things as if it's just some cold dark skill Um, the men who stare at goats and all of that that movie for example that's not what it is you can't look at these things apart from knowing the omnipresence of divine love label it however you choose You know, we talk so much about what is goodness, what is evil. I have always had trouble believing or knowing in any way that there could be anything so powerful, so very dark that it could rival the light. There is nothing that can rival divine love. There is nothing that strong. And there can be darkness. Some people will call it low vibrational things. Yes, some people call it evil, but it cannot rival the light. And it's just an absence of light. Because the light is really all there is. Love is all there is. Omnipresent love means it's everywhere. There's nothing that can rival it. There's nothing that can take it away. And there is such strength in knowing that because we can just release all those fears and focus on love. Focus on love. Man must evolve for all human conflict a method which rejects revenge, aggression, and retaliation The foundation of such a method is love. Martin Luther King Jr. We cannot continue to disrespect other people in the sense of somebody is trying to pull the wool over your eyes or trying to... um, make something look like what it really isn't, basically the same thing, that is a form of not being in a space of love. That is a form 
of darkness. And it's going to take a while because we've got a really complicated planet. Or maybe Tesla's right. It won't take so long. I can hope. I have so many times gone through so many phases on my own spiritual path. Around 2012, I just wanted it all to transform. And it didn't. We're getting to the point now where there are so many crises going on at once, and some of them are actually beyond ourselves, and some of them we've caused. There are both. That we're going to have to do some real reflecting. Who are the leaders on the planet? You are. You are, those of you listening, through your hearts, through your consciousness, that's where it is. It's not about what's on a piece of paper. Each one of us, each one of us can indeed be a part of the solution. Oh, we'll be imperfect. Of course we will why we're human, but we'll be working towards something greater, something important, something that really could get us somewhere because our goals have been misguided and we've been spinning our wheels towards what could be oblivion if we continue down that path. Why wouldn't people want it? That's what I always, that always bothers me. You know, this denial of the non-material, it's everything you could possibly want ever since you were a child. My God, how many novels, how many things? Talk about fairy tales, although that may not be a good example. But where we talk about where something miraculous occurs, why wouldn't we want that? Everybody wants that. We gravitate towards that because it's who we are. That miraculous love, healing, for example, real healing, the kind that's miraculous, that kind of healing, it's real. It happens. People can attest. I could attest to things that I have seen and experienced that would are seemingly impossible and so can other people and as I've said before I didn't know him in this realm in the way that he was then but obviously my grandfather believed in that because he had a church and he was a faith healer and people actually got healed sure there's charlatans out there but where is real healing happening there are real People in this world who can facilitate healing. In fact, that's always the best way to look at it because you're doing it through who we all are. It's a participatory process. Sometimes, I know in my own case, things that I've seen, it took me by surprise, and that can happen. Do you think there isn't something out there that loves you? How loved you are. How much you are gravitating towards that love, that perfect love, even as we do it 
imperfectly because we're human and we're afraid. A lot of it has to do with fear. Take it back. Take it back. Take it back to childhood where you feared what was around the corner. Maybe you heard a scary story or you had a bad dream. And sure, we there can be many difficult childhoods. Let's not fail to acknowledge that. But I'm talking about the innocence that exists that's in your spirit now. That childlike innocence. It's real. And within that, in that trust. You know, it took me a long time to learn to swim. I'm still not a super good swimmer, although in some ways... um, I certainly learned a lot of things, and I was terrified of the water when I was younger. Um, I won't get into all of the details, but let's just say the day came where I learned to float, and I had a teacher who was very gentle and progressively taught me how to float, and when I first got in that pool, I didn't even want to stand by the water at one point. I mean, it took time for me to get to this point. And she kept giving me things to hold on to. And they got smaller and smaller and smaller. And she was, pretty soon it was a single empty milk jug. That was it I was holding on to. That thing wasn't helping me float at all. I just needed it as a crutch. And one day I let go and I was floating. I was floating. It was like a miracle. And I loved to float after that. Floating is wonderful. That's what it's like. That's the non-material world. I had a dream not long ago, I can't remember if I mentioned it last show, trying to think what it was, where I was swimming in that dream, and it felt so real. It was almost lucid, not quite. Um, and it was wonderful, that feeling. And it also had to do with facing fear and with trusting. We are in the water, essentially, in a way that it can hold us up. It can sustain us. It can heal us. It can teach us to more perfectly love. That is the divine. Those of you in multiple parts of the world, each religious tradition, each spiritual tradition has a path to love. Even when we're not spiritual, We're being called to love. The materialists among us would love, love, love to see the miraculous world. They may be afraid that it exists, but once you see it, and it's not some stark skill, the spiritual element is absolutely essential. These are the civilizations who survive. They may not even be visible. Because they may not need any technology. In fact, they don't. Maybe they do for a while. Maybe some of them keep it. 
But the ones that are truly advanced would be at a point where they would have an awareness, maybe not full. I mean, why are they on their planets? And technically, we are them and they're us. That sounds like that Mars movie, although it's true. What's the movie? Mission to Mars. There's a part where they talk about them being us and we're them. Well, that is really true. In fact, that's yet another deeper level of omnipresence. We are not separate. There is a world of, it's like we are living in such a limited way when we are just beginning to open up to the non-material. The movie Contact, what a beautiful example. And not even the part where she who is skeptical has this amazing spiritual experience. How they get this message and it has multiple levels. And the more you look at it, it gets more and more deep. And I could say it gets more intricate, but the irony of all in the reality of what I'm trying to convey is it gets more, it gets simpler. There becomes this simplicity, it be, this clarity that it's love that it's love, that it's love, and that there are miracles. And you don't have to figure it out. There's nothing to figure out. It's just there. It's right here. It's right here. It's right here with all of you listening across time. Other civilizations who have, I'll use the words, figured this out, They're here too because they can transcend space and time. That's what is available in the non-material. That's what Tesla was talking about. We have to raise our sights. We have to raise our awareness. And it's not in a stark way either. We need to accept where the heart brings us, not just the mind. Oh, the mind can help us. But this is something more than you just learn. This is an experience. This is a reality. This is not just a skill. It can't just be described as some law or some rule. It's more than that. There may be ways that it works that we could describe in terms of some objective way of looking at it. We have a tendency to want to do that. But there is also the mysterious. The mystics thrived on the mystery. You know, we don't always have to figure it all out. That's actually a form of imperfection because it doesn't... When I learned to float, when I learned to float on that water, in that moment, the whole purpose of teaching me how was actually... It was sort of illogical. That little milk jug wasn't holding me up. I had to learn to trust, and it wasn't about analyzing. I could have studied floating for years, how it works, how it scientifically works, how one floats, but it wouldn't have helped me to float. 
I had to learn to trust. There was even a mystery to it. It was like a miracle. There could have been lots of logical reasons. And sure, maybe we can explain some things, but we don't always need to. What we can see is it works. We're floating. Oh, my gosh. I'm floating. That's what Tesla saw. You're healed. (gasps) That's the moment. Thank you for being here today and across time, wherever you're listening. I speak to the future now because I'm not in the live broadcast, and I may be speaking to people far in the future. Well, you're right here with me now. I hope that a time comes where there are voices who were trying to say what needed to be said. And whether we make it or not, it'll be in that record that I talk about. Everything we do, there is no um, wasted breath, no wasted voice, no wasted expression of the heart. And I know that you're out there listening. This is from my heart to you, and then this time too. We need to trust, and we need to trust that those of us who have an understanding, or at least a glimpse of what I'm talking about, because how could we have a complete understanding? I can't explain it any better then I could explain why suddenly I floated that day. Sure, sure, I could go and look at the physics of it, but really the why in that day, why did I finally trust and float it? Why? Sure, I had a good teacher. Sure. But there was something miraculous, that, that leap, that leap where I let go. I let go of something that wasn't even holding me up. It was there all along. That was it. Oh, my gosh. It was always here. And I just didn't know it. That's that's it. That's the key, my friends. Um, Those of you who are listening in our current year, 2022. Um, Next week, I may be doing this show a little bit, either a little bit later in the day or possibly on Sunday. We'll see. I'm not sure exactly um, what my schedule will be like next week. So you'll find the show when you need to look for it, and I do appreciate those of you who are doing so. And I think I'm going to start putting it in my blog, too. I've kind of been remiss with my blog and seeing what I can do to to get a little more word out about it. So um, thank you again. And I hope you have a good week. And whenever I talk to you again, I will see you next time. Really take to heart what I've shared with you. I hope you can. Really reflect. All right. Take care now.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.